Good evening. Um, I'm, um, it's wonderful to see you all here. Uh, my name's Alistair. I'm um, one of the pastoral assistants here at this church, um, working alongside Caitlin and the other guys in the office. Um, until June of this year, I was one of the uh, students in this university, uh, in this town. And uh, until August of this year, I was legally single until I got married to Lucy. Um, so it's been... When I read that to Lucy, she was like, no one speaks like that, Alistair. And I was like, I do. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we've really enjoyed the opportunity to settle into this town uh, together over the last um, couple of months. This evening is our uh, fifth uh, installment in our evening service series on the prayer, Come Holy Spirit. And this week, we're beginning to make the turn um, from explanation of who the Holy Spirit is into application. What is our response? So we're very much picking up from where Morag and Toby left off from the last couple of weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, Morag explained uh, the connection between the now and the not yet of the kingdom um, and how that connects to uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then last week, Toby began to unpack what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're looking at uh, the very small topic of the Holy Spirit and his gifts. To do this, I want to try to answer three questions. What are the gifts of the Spirit? What is their purpose, and how do we seek them? This is a huge topic, and like the sermons before in this series, I'm really only scratching the surface um, in this talk. But if there's one thing you take away from this, and hold on to whilst I go about answering these questions, it's that this topic is all about relationship. So, let's start with the first question. What are the gifts? As a physicist, I like to neatly define things and to put things into nice, neat boxes. Uh, then I start reading about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I realized it was impossible to do this accurately with them. Um, first of all, there's very little direct teaching on the spiritual gifts in the Bible. The closest we get to this is in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 to 14. But even these passages are clearly not intended to be a complete teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. They form part of an argument that Paul is building to encourage the church in Corinth to stop squabbling with each other. Yeah, Bruce, you're too early. Uh, secondly... <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Secondly, there are multiple and differing lists of the gifts of the Spirit. The clearest of these are in Romans, Ephesians, and then a couple in uh, 1 Corinthians in that, uh, those chapters. Between these lists, uh, different terms are used. Some use umbrella terms, and some include gifts that others just don't mention. For example, um, some of these include um, teaching, giving, compassion, cheerfulness in Romans 12, apostleship and prophets in Ephesians 4. Clearly, none of these lists are exhaustive or precisely technical. But despite all of this, I still have an urge within me to try to give a definition of what a gift of the Spirit is. So this is my attempt. A gift of the Spirit is a supernatural impartation of the Holy Spirit to empower an individual to demonstrate the reality of the coming age in the present. I'll say that again. A gift of the Spirit is a supernatural impartation of the Holy Spirit to empower an individual to demonstrate the reality of the coming age in the present. If you want to hear more unpacking of what the coming age in the present means, listen to Morag's sermon on the kingdom of God from two weeks ago, which is on our website at kingdomvineyard.com. But before we look at some specific examples of spiritual gifts in that passage, um, to try to illustrate this definition, I think it's also important to point out here 
um, that from reading the start of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, especially verse 7, we see that operating in these gifts was both common knowledge and common experience for the Christians at the time. So we begin to see that these spiritual gifts are a direct result of living spirit-filled lives. And at the end, I'll come back to how we seek to live lives like this. So we'll now zoom in and look at a couple of examples of these spiritual gifts, specifically the ones from the list given in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. I think it's important to handle this list with care, so I reiterate that this is not an exhaustive or precisely technical list. I don't think we can box in spiritual gifts. This is because we're trying to describe the work of the Spirit of God, who can empower and anoint anything we do in his name. I think this is why some lists include what are seemingly less supernatural gifts, such as administration, giving, and being helpful, and miss out other spirit-filled and anointed works, such as worship and hospitality. So I don't mean to diminish the importance of these other kinds of spiritual gifts. I just don't have time to go through everything. And hopefully, the principles that I speak about tonight can be applied to all of these gifts that the Spirit gives. So, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Nice. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Wonderful stuff. Uh, if you were here last week, you will have heard Toby go into a little more depth in explaining this passage. So to avoid doing the same work, I'll refer you to his podcast, which can be found on the church website. So what I'd like to do is give a very brief overview of each, list gifted, uh, each gift listed here in order to try and illustrate the definition that I gave before of what a spiritual gift is. That is, a supernatural impartation of the Holy Spirit to empower an individual to demonstrate the reality of the coming age in the present. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've practiced that. Uh, <laughs> to help with this, I've prepared uh, some tables. Where is it? This is so exciting. You're so lucky this isn't like a line graph or something. Um, and they're going to come up on the screen. Um, so uh, these t- tables have, uh, I, think, I think, 50 Bible references on them, um, which we won't have time to go through um, in detail tonight. But they'll be available alongside the sermon on our website. And at the back, there are some printouts of these if you want to take them home. Please do. I spent ages on these. <laughs> and if you don't take them home, then I've just wasted, like, so much time. <laughs> no, it was helpful. Um, so, oh, man. All right, uh, yeah, and they'll help... Um, yeah, all the, these tables will hopefully do some of the explaining that I won't have time to do uh, tonight. So, in the passage we just read, we see that there are nine spiritual gifts listed. Uh, for the purposes in, of teaching and comparing some of the gifts to each other, I've grouped them into three sets of three and given these cl- clusters pithy titles. Um, so to give you a fair warning, I'm about to hit you with a lot of definitions. If you're taking notes, 
Don't worry about trying to keep up with writing them all down. Uh, they'll be on the tables I've made. Also, for the sake of clarity, I won't be darting about the scriptures in order to give examples and explain these gifts. But again, I'll refer you to the tables which I made. Um, and yeah, for those listening on the podcast, like looking into the air, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be referring to uh, the tables which are being projected. So, hope you're all sitting comfortably. Um, first of all, we have the gifts of discernment, the eyes of God, which include word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. This gift cluster was coined the eyes of God by a guy called Ken Fish, who was an associate of John Wimber. This is to illustrate that these gifts help the receiver to see a situation the way that God sees it. The gift of a word of wisdom is an utterance inspired by God and spoken by an individual, revealing a part of the total wisdom of God. It's seeing what God sees in a situation and saying it. It is a supernatural application of God's wisdom in a specific situation. Next, the gift of a word of knowledge is an utterance inspired by God and spoken by an individual sharing the truth of facts that the Spirit wishes declared concerning a specific occasion with a practical application of an outpouring of God's love. And finally, discernings of spirits is the supernatural discerning of the spirits or motivation behind a personal action. Whether the spirit operating has a source that is divine, human, or demonic, and divine can include angels and other celestial beings that, who, uh, who serve God. So that's the first gift cluster, gift of discernment, the eyes of God. One down. The next gift cluster is the gifts of power, the hands of God, which include faith, gifts of healings, and the effecting of miracles. Here, the gift of faith is different to the faith as a fruit of the Spirit. The spiritual gift of faith is the mysterious surge of confidence which sometimes arises within a person faced with a specific situation or need. It is both the irresistible knowledge of God's intervention at a certain point and the authority to effect this intervention through the power of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of healings is the actual event of healing itself, which a sick person receives. As there are many kinds of illnesses, so there are many different healing gifts. It's that event or progression which a person receives in the spiritual, emotional, uh, mental, social, or physical areas of their life. There are instances of complete healing or uh, progressive accelerated healing. The effecting of miracles are events in which uh, people and things are visibly and beneficially affected in an extraordinary way by the power of God, working through an individual. Miracles, by their very nature, in involve things for which we have no natural explanation. So that's the second gift cluster, the gifts of power, the hands of God. You might have noticed that within these clusters there's a lot of overlap. Um, that's part of the reason why they're kind of, I've tried to group them together a little bit. And the final gift cluster, gift cluster, is the gifts of speech, the mouth of God, which include the gift of prophecy, the gift of languages, and the interpretation of languages. The gift of prophecy is an utterance inspired by God and spoken by an individual, declaring the very heart of God for a person or situation, revealing God's truth in that circumstance. Prophesying is seeing God's way from his perspective, which is often contrary to ours. The term is also used along with someone being a prophet in the New Testament, as a blanket term to describe many of these other gifts operating together. The gift of languages is sometimes translated as a gift of tongues. This is an artifact from the King James Version where uh, to speak in a tongue was to speak in, in a language. The gift of languages is spirit-inspired speaking in which the conscious mind plays no part. It is the speaking of a language which, is not, which has not been learned by the speaker. 
This is, neither, this is either an existing human language that has been spoken or is, currently, or is currently being spoken somewhere on earth, or an angelic language. And Paul makes the distinction between human and angelic languages in uh, 1 Corinthians 13.1. This gift is primarily for self-edification. Unless it is interpreted, then it is functionally the same as prophecy. And this leads us on to our final gift, the gift of interpretation of languages, which is the supernatural enabling to understand the meaning of a language being spoken. It is the gift, uh, it is the God-given revelation of the meaning of what has been spoken. And we made it. That's our three gift clusters. The gifts of discernment, the eyes of God. The gifts of power, the hands of God. The gifts of speech, the mouth of God. What we can see from these descriptions, descriptions is that when these gifts are in operation, people hear what God has to say. They see his active power and glory. They operate in the authority that's been given to us, and they are healed, and they are restored. This is a glimpse of the kingdom of God. This is in part what we will one day experience in full, to have a restored relationship with our heavenly Father, where we are fully with him, and he is fully with us. So I realized that was quite a lot to try to take in, so I'd encourage you to check over the tables that I put together that will be available. Um, but if there's anything to take away from this section, it's this. Operating in the gifts of the Spirit is a direct consequence of living Spirit-filled lives. They are the active and empowered demonstration of the future reality of the kingdom of God in the here and now. And because of this, it's really difficult to do them justice by systemizing them into boxes. But that can be helpful in order to begin to understand what's going on. So, now we can move on to our next question, which is, what's their purpose? And tied up in that is the question, why are they important? The first way of approaching this is to look at Jesus' ministry, which is a ministry of works and words. He demonstrates his power and anointing in works and is constantly pointing back to this in his teaching. Likewise, the wonders he performs also point to what he is teaching. We see this explicitly in Luke 10, um, 8 to 11, when Jesus is sending out 70 people to do what he has modeled to them already. We've got, great. Uh, uh, so Luke uh, 10, verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. When you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of our town we wipe from, your feet, from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus taught and demonstrated the future reality of the kingdom of God in the here and now and sent out his disciples to do the same. He is sending us out to do this also. He has welcomed us to partner in building the kingdom and these gifts are some of the most powerful tools he gives us. This understanding was foundational in the early church and Paul specifically describes in 1 Corinthians 14 the importance of the gifts of languages and prophecy in witnessing to a non-believer. Secondly, in Peter's sermon at Pentecost in Acts 2, 14 to 36, we see the significance uh, of these spiritual gifts being exercised. Peter quotes the prophet Joel to explain to the onlooking crowd what was going on at Pentecost. And in verse 17, um, he says, he quotes, uh, In the last days, God says, I will pour out, pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. 
your old men will dream dreams. As Maura explained two weeks ago, we're in the last days. The Spirit has been poured out, and this is for all of us, not a select special few. As John Wimber said, everyone gets to play. As Jesus modeled, and Peter here explains, the use of, the, of these gifts are a demonstration of the reality we now live in as followers of Christ. This is the reality that we now live in as followers of Christ. Let's not miss out on it. Another way of seeing the importance of the spiritual gifts is that Paul repeatedly says that we should actively desire these gifts. He goes to great lengths to speak about the importance of these gifts and how they have edified him. For example, he bookends his argument in 1 Corinthians 13 about the paramount importance of love when operating in these spiritual gifts with phrases such as, strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way, and pursue love and strive for the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Paul longed for the church to continue experiencing the power of God. And the last thing I want to say on this point is about relationship. Isn't it a wonderful time when we get to do something that someone we love loves to do, and we do it with them? A story that comes to mind like, that happened this summer was um, um, one of my cousins is really good with woodworking, and uh, he loves it. It's a large part of his life. He did his degree in it. Um, and so Lucy and I asked if he'd be up for making a ring box for us for our wedding rings this summer. He was so happy to do that for us, really, really pleased that we asked. But asked if I wanted to come along and come by his house and make it with him. What followed was a lovely afternoon of us hanging out, making a ring box together. Building his kingdom is what our father does. He binds up the brokenhearted. He sets the captives free. He heals the sick and cares for the poor. The Bible is the story of God working in this world with and through his people. And if the New Testament is to be believed, then one of the major ways he does this is through us operating in the spiritual gifts. We are being invited to get to do what our Father does with him. So what's their purpose? To continue Jesus' ministry of words and works. To demonstrate the reality that we, as followers of Christ, now live in. To do what our Father does and to do it with him. So I come to the final question I want to look at. How do we eagerly desire these gifts? I have three practical steps, but I want to call something out before I go into them. They are, and always have to be, completely encased in the context of relationship. The three steps are, we ask, we wait, and we step out in faith. This isn't hard and fast. It might not always be in this order, and it might and at different uh, times, different stages, it might look different in different circumstances. But we ask because he wants to give good gifts to us. Jesus addre directly addresses this in Matthew 7, 7 to 11. And he says, how much more will your Father in heaven good give good things to those who ask him? We have the ability to ask because we are children of God who can boldly approach the throne. We wait with expectation. We don't always know what he's going to do, and he doesn't always answer us in the way that we'd like or expect. But we do know that there is power in the presence of God. If you stand by a fire, you get warm. Where he is, things happen. But if we're not ready or expecting for him to move, we can often miss out. And we step out in faith. Sometimes just in the waiting, he does incredible things. But often, the crucial step is for us to step out. Though, the only reason we can do that because we know he is faithful and good. 
So let's say I want the gift of languages. I have to ask him. I might wait a little while. But at some point, I have to take the step of opening my mouth. Or let's say I'm praying for healing for someone. I might ask God to heal them, wait for a while. And then maybe the step um, of faith is asking if anything's happened. Or maybe it comes initially in going up to pray for them. Or perhaps we're praying for someone. We want to see if God has anything he might want to say to them in the situation. We ask him to speak. We wait until we receive something. And then we step out in faith and give the word or picture. As Caitlin said in her sermon at the morning service a couple of weeks ago, usually the confirmation doesn't come until after we step out. And if we get it wrong, nobody dies. So we ask because we're his children. We wait because we're expectant. And we step out because we know he's faithful. It's all about relationship with him. This is the heart behind the prayer, come Holy Spirit. It's one of desperately desiring relationship with him. It is an invitation for him to be with us. It is an expectation to see him move in the power amongst his people. It is the yearning to see him and know him more. This is the context. This is the posture. This is the heart with which we seek his gifts. And as a quick aside, this is part of the reason why we spend so much time in worship. So we looked at the passage in Luke where Jesus sends out the 70 disciples in pairs to demonstrate and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. In verses 17 to 20 of chapter 10, we see what happens when they return to him. It says, The 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The disciples had seen great things, and through the Holy Spirit had done great things. But Jesus brings them back to the heart of it all. It's all about relationship with him. It's all about being with him, because where he is, there is the power. So, we looked at what a spiritual gift is and a number of examples of these gifts. We spoke about how these gifts are the continuation of Jesus' ministry of words and works that demonstrate the now and the not yet of the kingdom and how we're being invited to join our Father in building his kingdom with him and that this often looks like asking, waiting, and then stepping out in faith. So how about we give that a go? Let's spend some time together with him and see what he wants to do. Why don't we stand?